0: Put your hands together for our kids. Zach, thank you so much for that. Aaron, did you manage to photobomb like ten of those pictures? I'm looking, and it's like, what is she doing in every picture? Um, I want to thank Rick and Christy McGregor. Would you guys stand? They are the people who've been leading our youth ministry since January. They put all the camp together. They've been leading your kids. They've been pouring into your kids. Uh, We probably wouldn't have taken anyone to camp without them, so guys, thank you. You know, we, we experienced something this week that I have experienced several times that we experience in the life and teaching of Jesus this summer at our church. We're in a series called Bedtime Stories, The Life of Jesus. And we're just, we're just talking about Jesus, um, and learning from him, learning who he was, what he did, and trying to figure out how to follow him and, and model our lives after his. But we learned something this week that's modeled in the life of Jesus that we saw modeled in the life of these students. And, and that's this. Sometimes, um, you gotta get away to really refocus spiritually. Sometimes you've got to get out of the everyday life. Sometimes you've got to even get on a bus. Sometimes you've got to go 16 hours down to the mountains in North Georgia. Sometimes you have to get out of your normal life so that you can get to a place where you can hear what Jesus is saying to you. And I want to say this to you this morning. Not only did we experience that at youth camp this week, but as we study Scripture today, we're going to learn this. And I want you to listen very carefully, and I want everyone in here to hear this. Some of you in this room will never experience the power of Jesus in your life living where your life is right now. Let me say that again. Some of you in this room will never experience the power of Jesus in your life, living your life as you are living it right now, content to wait on Jesus to come to you. Sometimes, as we read in Scripture, you have to go to Jesus. Now, I want to say this because we have a baptism service today. And we have people who are in the room today who maybe have never been to church because you're here to watch a daughter or a granddaughter or a friend or a cousin or a nephew or a niece be baptized. We have people here today um, who aren't even sure about God, who aren't sure about religion. Maybe they have a religion, but it's not Christianity. And I want to acknowledge that I understand you're in the room today, and I hope you will enjoy our service and the passion of our students. I hope you'll enjoy our time in Bible study. But I, I want to today teach through a portion of Scripture that shows us something crucial about our faith if we hope to ever move from where we are spiritually to moving to a point where the power of Jesus becomes real in our lives. If you have your Bible, I want you to turn to Luke chapter 8. Because in Luke chapter 8, we we just we see a story about Jesus, bedtime stories. That's what this is called. Our ushers are going to come down the aisle. If you don't have a Bible today, they'll place one in your hand. We've given away four, more than 400 Bibles since our church started in September of 2011, just like this. So if you want a Bible, if you're new to church, if you just forgot your Bible or you'd be curious to have one, take it. This is yours. Raise your hand. Put your name in it. You can have it. It's our gift to you. Thanks for hanging out with us today. But in Luke chapter 8... And in the front, you'll find a table of contents. Luke is going to be in the New Testament portion of Scripture. In Luke chapter 8, we see a narrative, a Bible story of Jesus that, um, when we read it closely, really challenges us to, to kind of move from where we are spiritually to where we need to be spiritually if we hope to ever have Jesus make an impact in our life. And here's what's going to be curious about this. As we open Luke chapter 8, we're going to start in verse 40. For those of you who are here on Father's Day, it's, it's going to sound somewhat similar because we, we open in the same place that we open Father's Day with, with, with Jesus getting ready to do a miracle. But something happens in Luke chapter 8. This is the only narrative in Scripture where a miracle gets interrupted by a miracle. Did you hear what I just said? It's the only time in Scripture where a miracle gets interrupted by a miracle. Jesus is on his way from point A to point D to, to point B to do a miracle. And somewhere between point A and point B, if I were to ask you on, in the alphabet to tell me what's between point A and point B, the answer is nothing. So we're somewhere in this spiritual spectrum of Jesus going from point A to point B, and we see someone insert themselves into the story of Jesus' life, Because they're desperate for Jesus to do something in their life. Now, I will say this in this room this morning, just like there was in this room at 915, there are some people in here desperate for Jesus to do something in their life. Your marriage is not where you want it to be. Your job is not where you want it to be. Your emotional health is not where you want it to be. Your finances are not where you want them to be. Your kids are not where you want them to be. There's things going on in life that are not what you expected. They're not what you anticipated. They're not what you desired. And some people in here, man, if if there were a Jesus and he were real and he had the ability to enact change in our life, we would take him up on that. We're just not sure if it really works that way. But there are some of us in here today. We need a miracle. I mean, if we were to be honest, we need a miracle. If the miracle doesn't come, our marriage will not last till January 1. If the miracle doesn't come, our kids may be in jail before the end of the year. If the miracle does not come, we may lose our house. We may quit our job. We may get fired from our job. If the miracle doesn't come, we may never speak to our mom or dad or brothers or sisters again. We may be separated from our kids forever. Like if a miracle doesn't come, things will never get better. There are some people in this room who need a miracle today. And in Luke chapter 8, we meet somebody who needs a miracle so bad that she sees Jesus going to do a miracle. And she basically says, stop me first, me first. Luke chapter 8, we start in verse 40. It'll pick up in verse 41 on the stage because I gave them not the entire section of Scripture when I sent it over to our PowerPoint folks this week. But it says this. Now, when Jesus returned, a crowd welcomed him, for they were all expecting him. Then a man named Jairus, a synagogue leader, came and fell at Jesus' feet, pleading with him, to come to his house, because his only daughter, a girl of about twelve, was dying. Now I want to stop right there. We studied this on Father's Day. And it's like, yeah, Christian, I got it. This guy was desperate for Jesus. His little girl was going to die, and I remember the end of the story. Jesus went and he healed healed the little girl. That that is the end of the story. But what we miss is the middle of the story, because Jesus gets introduced to this dad. Hi, my name's Jairus. Hi, my name's Jesus. That's kind of cool. Jairus and Jesus kind of sounds like. Uh, what do you need? Uh, My little girl's sick and dying. I need your help. Okay, where are we going? And they start walking to his house, and somewhere between realizing there's a need and going to meet that need, we get interrupted by someone so desperate for the power of Jesus in her life that she literally breaks into the pages of Scripture and is remembered forever. So I'm going to start in verse 41 again because it continues the best that way in the text. Then a man named Jairus... A synagogue leader came and fell at Jesus' feet, pleading with him to come to his house because his only daughter, a girl of about 12, was dying. As Jesus was on his way, the crowds almost crushed him. And a woman was there who'd been subject to bleeding for 12 years, but no one could heal her. She came up behind him and she touched the edge of his cloak and immediately her bleeding stopped. Who touched me, Jesus asked. When they all denied it, Peter said, Master, the people are crowding and pressing against you. But Jesus said, Someone touched me. I know that power has gone out from me. Then the woman, seeing that she could not go unnoticed, came trembling and fell at his feet. In the presence of all the people, she told why she had touched him and how she had been instantly healed. Then he said to her daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace. You know, on the back of your bulletin, there's a place to take some sermon notes and you'll see that the the title of today's Bible study is called Press In. And you'll see that I want to highlight two things about this lady pressing into Jesus' life because I believe in churches today, at Journey Church today, at churches across our county, across our city, across our state, and across our country today, I believe we are experiencing what happened in Luke chapter 8. I believe that there are crowds of people who are coming to a place to be around Jesus they get up in the morning. They maybe dress a little nicer than they used to or thank God for Youth Sunday. They get to wear tennis shoes and a T-shirt. Even as a preacher, they don't have to dress up. It's, I would like to preach like this every week. It's much more comfortable. And they get up and they come to church. And they come to church to be around Jesus. But they really don't come to church expecting Jesus to do anything, anticipating Jesus to do anything. They've really not even stopped to think whether or not they need Jesus to do anything. They're just, they're just coming to church. A lot of you who are in here today who don't follow Jesus, who don't recognize Jesus as Lord, the, the reason you don't is because you know some Christians who clearly don't live for Jesus. You're know, like, if that's a Christian, how are they any different from me? Their Sunday is different, but their life isn't. And you don't see anything that distinguishes the crowd that wants to be around Jesus from the crowd that doesn't Monday through Saturday. But here's what we realize about this lady in Luke chapter 8 out of this huge crowd, so big that it was crushing him, we see that she was the only one who came to Jesus with a purpose. Like, out of all these people, you had you had Jairus, he was on his way from where he was to Jairus' house, and the Bible says there were so many people, they almost crushed him, but out of that huge crowd, there was only one who, like, really needed Jesus that day. Now, I don't know how many people in this room today really need jesus versus just came to church but i have to imagine every time there's a crowd there's one person who's pretty desperate for jesus and the question i would ask today is are you just near jesus today i came to church to be near jesus or do you need jesus today like, are you clocking in and clocking out spiritually to put in your hour to be near Jesus? Or or do you so desperately need Jesus to do something? Like, you're not going to leave today until Jesus has done something in your heart and in your mind and in your life. You see, in Mark chapter 10, if you have your Bibles, I want you to flip just a few pages back to the left. In Mark chapter 10, we we see Jesus ask a question that I do not believe most people in this room could even answer because of our spiritual mindset. In Mark chapter 10, a similar scene presents itself. Jesus is going from one place to another. He's always got his posse around. There's always a posse hanging around Jesus. But there are very few people living with purpose around Jesus. And and we see Jesus in this posse again. And someone comes to Jesus and they're like, dude, I need some help. And Jesus asks a question that most of the people in this room I don't think, could answer today in this context. And here's what it says. Then they came, they as Jesus and his disciples and his posse, Mark chapter 10, verse 46. Then they came to Jericho as Jesus and his disciples, together with a large crowd, were leaving the city. A blind man, Bartimaeus, which means son of Timaeus, was sitting by the roadside begging. When he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to shout, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Many rebuked him and told him to be quiet. But he shouted all the more, son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus stopped and said, calling. So they called to the blind man, cheer up on your feet. He's calling you. Throwing his cloak aside, he jumped to his feet and he came to Jesus. And Jesus asked this question, verse 51. What do you want me to do for you? Now I want you to place yourself in that story for a minute. Or let's just fast forward it a couple thousand years to today. If today leaving church, instead of shaking hands with some pastors and some greeters, if today Jesus, like the real Jesus, stepped down from heaven, if Jesus was standing on the sidewalk today and you had ten seconds to interact with him and Jesus, the real Jesus, shook your hand and said, what do you want me to do for you? Anything you need, I'll do it. How many of us couldn't even think of an answer because we have stopped living with the anticipation and the expectation and the desperation that without Jesus we really can't go on living? I asked a hundred leaders that question at camp this week, a hundred adult leaders who were there with their students. If you had ten seconds to answer the question right now, what do you need Jesus to do for you today? Ten, nine, eight. Most of them said, I don't know. Like, I don't even think of Jesus in those ways. And the truth is, we sit around wondering, Lord, how's my marriage ever going to make it? God, how are my finances ever going to get settled? God, that busted relationship that I've been a part of. God, I lost my license with my third DUI. I might go to jail. God, I'm addicted to alcohol or drugs. God, I'm addicted to pornography. God, I don't think my kids love me or their siblings. Uh, God, I think I'm going to lose my job. God, I just did lose my job. God, I'm afraid I'm going to lose my house. God, my dad or my mom or my grandma or my grandpa or my uncles or aunts are dying of cancer. How many of us have quit being so desperate for Jesus that when Jesus says, what do you need? It's like, I don't, I don't even know. Um, I'm not sure. I guess I just came to church to be near Jesus, but I really haven't thought about um, how, how I need him. And we see this woman who's like, no, 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 it's not enough to be a part of the crowd. Like, I need something from Jesus. You know, we would say that Jesus offers salvation and we need that, right? But doesn't Jesus also give us this, the source of our strength inside? Doesn't he also supply hope to those who are hopeless? Doesn't he supply strength for those who are weak? I mean, there's a lot of things that Jesus does, but a lot of us are content to just be a part of the crowd just to kind of watch the Jesus show without ever getting close to him, but not this lady. She needed Jesus and she needed him badly. This morning, are you part of the posse or are you a person of purpose? Why did you come to church this morning? What do you need for Jesus or have you even ever thought about that? What do you need from Jesus? The second thing we learn about this lady and this narrative is that spiritual power always is in spiritual perspective. Spiritual power is always in spiritual perspective. The truth about this lady, as you heard me say, if some of you remain where you are in life, you'll never experience the power of Jesus. If this lady would have sat on the edge of the crowd, Jesus would have never looked, to her, looked at her. He would have never spoken to her. He would have never healed her because he wasn't really focused on her at the time. He was doing something else, but she forced the spiritual issue on him. Bartimaeus, if he hadn't yelled and yelled and yelled and yelled, Jesus had already passed by him. And some of you are sitting in your chair and you're like, if Jesus wants me, he can come to me. And you've watched him walk right by when he's waiting for you to yell, Jesus. And if you'll get out of your chair and come to him, he'll help you. You know, we have a spiritual attitude today is if Jesus wants me to love him, he can come to me. But Jesus said in scripture, come to me. Have any of you as parents ever been with your kids in a grocery store or someplace? And they're kind of getting getting out of hand. And you're like, come here right now. And they don't come. And then you're like, come here, you're going to grit your teeth like right now. Like, I'm going to spank you so hard, I'm going to pull your pants down, I'm going to start you, come here, right? I mean, like, some of us are in this grudge match with Jesus. Jesus is like, if you want help, just come. And we're like, no, you come. And Jesus is like, no, you don't understand. Like, if you want help, come on. And you're like, no, you come on. And Jesus isn't playing games, you know what? Because he's on the way to help someone else who's already walking towards him. And we see that spiritual power is always in spiritual perspective. Look at Peter's perspective in Luke chapter eight, verse 45. Jesus is having this conversation with Peter. The crowd's about to, about to crush him. He feels someone come to him with purpose, and the power the, the crowd is so thick, he doesn't know who it is, but he feels that someone has reached out to touch him. And Jesus says in Luke 8:45, "Who touched me?" And here's Peter's perspective. When they all denied it, Peter said, "Master, the people are crowding. And pressing against you. Peter's answer was this. Like Jesus like. Everyone's touching you. Like Peter would walk in a room like today. And and we would. You know Jesus would say. Peter how many of these people do you think are desperate for me. And Peter would be like. Well uh, probably all of them. Like they're all at church. And Jesus said no. No not all of them. But there's one. There's two. They're like they're not going to leave here today. Until they have grabbed hold of me in a life-changing manner. See, here, here was Jesus' perspective. Peter's perspective was it, you know, it kind of looks like everyone's touching you. And Jesus said, no, you don't understand, Peter. It's not just the people who are around. It's people who are living with purpose. When they all denied it, Peter said, Master, the, the people are crowding around you. But Jesus said, someone touched me. I know because the power has gone out from me. You know, as I read this text and I read Jesus' word in Luke 8, 46, I realize this spiritual fact. It's this, It's the intentional pursuit of Jesus that sets people apart spiritually? Who are the people who really experience the power of God, the people who are really uh, pursuing the power of God? Who are the people who really experience Jesus touching their heart, calming their nerves, giving them peace, the people who are really pursuing Jesus doing that in their lives? And in Luke 8, 46, Peter said, you know, there's like a bunch of people around And Jesus said, no, 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 there, there, there's someone particular here. Who like really needs me and my power is going to flow to them to help what their need is today Now jesus stopped the crowd and he's like who was it? And this lady stepped out from the crowd and she kind of said here's who I am and here's what I needed And here's why I came and here's here's what's happened And she gave what we call a testimony. She's like Here's why I needed jesus and here's what jesus did in my life And you can talk about people in the bible Or every now and then you can talk about people in your church. And I asked some of our teens, on Wednesday night of youth camp, we had about a dozen leaders who went down with us. And on Wednesday night of youth camp, I made every adult leader get up in front of our kids. And I just said, tell me what Jesus is doing in your life this week. And all the leaders shared. And then on the last night of camp, Thursday night, all of our teenagers, 19 teenagers... One at a time got up and I said tell me what jesus is doing in your life this week and in front of all their friends They got up stood in front of a room and said this like this is what jesus is doing in my life And as I sat there and listened I thought man, I wish the whole church Could listen to these kids who took a chance To step out and press into jesus and hear what he's done in their life Now I felt like god spoke to me and said christian. Let them let them tell the church So I have six people today One of our adult leaders and six of our kids who are going to take just a few minutes each and kind of say this is who I was, and this, these are the steps I took towards Jesus, and here's how, like, when I pursued him, he radically changed my life. So, Jordan Eckley, I'm going to ask you to come up first. Jordan is, uh, is one of our adult leaders. Give Jordan a hand. And, and here's why I want you to give Jordan a hand, because I know none of you want to get up here and talk in the microphone about what's going on in your life spiritually. So the fact that he's got the courage to do that, Jordan's one of our adult leaders. His story's unbelievable, what Jesus has been doing in his life. So, Jordan, just take a few minutes and talk about kind of who you were, what happened, and and what happened at camp.
1: Well, uh, first of all, I just wanted to say uh, this past week has been amazing. Uh, We got to see God move in all these teens' lives and uh, really get to see their lives change. We had seven people saved and six rededicated, and then 14 today are going to get baptized out of our whole group. So uh, give a round of applause for that. Praise God. Now, I'll, I'll kind of tell you a little bit about, about me and my story. Um, I went to Barstow a School. It's a private high school over on, on State Line. Um, and that's where I started veering off the path uh, towards God. Um, I wasn't living for God. I lived for the next party, um, who I could please. Um, I disrespected my parents. And that carried all the way through high school and then into college. Um, I, I wanted to play baseball, and that's, uh, that was my, my big, um, big thing I was looking for in a school, where I could get a scholarship to go play baseball. And uh, I ended up going to Rockhurst University. Um, first year, I ended up having shoulder surgery, and uh, that's when I had started having depression. And with depression, I drank more. Um, and my first semester, I smoked pot. Um, I smoked pot in high school as well, and um, I, li- I, I lived for for the next party. I was in a fraternity and was rushing a fraternity and was trying to impress all the guys in there. And then uh, a strange thing happened. Um, I was studying with my girlfriend in my in my dorm room, and my parents came up to uh, to school and they got me and they said, "Hey, uh, you know you're you're pretty far off the path. Um, you need to come home, and you're going to be commuting from." Uh, our house to, to school from now on. So I did that, came to journey, um, heard Christian preach a message about, um, being an influence to young kids and especially young athletes and how he wanted to be a good influence towards those types of kids. And that just hit home with me because two seats down the row was sitting my little brother, uh, Luke, who is a sophomore in, in high school, going to be a junior. Um, and I'm, I'm sitting there, I'm thinking, you know, the life that I've been living, how is this going to influence my little brother? What are the decisions he's going to make based on the decisions that I've made? And I didn't want that for my, for my little brother. I didn't want him to go through the struggles that I had to go through and go through everything that, uh, that was really tempting me. So I decided that day that I was going to start living for God. And then there were a couple of events later in that year that happened um, that really got me. Close with God, and I I ended up touching God. I could feel myself touching God. Uh, spe- especially one point, I went to a Royals game, and uh, with a, which a, bun- a bunch of kids I used to party with all the time, and got got drunk um, after the after the game. We, I got in a scuffle with uh, three other guys um, that beat the crap out of me. Sorry, I say crap. Uh, <laughs> it's okay. Beat- I said that one
0: time in high school. God will forgive you. Be- beat me up. <laughs> Just one time <laughs> um,
1: they beat me up pretty bad, um, and I sat alone in this parking lot, um, completely just utterly alone uh, didn 't know what to do, and I felt God talk to me and say, "If this is the life that you live, then this is the types of things that are going to happen, and uh, the types of things that you're not you 're not going to have your friends around if you 're hanging out with the wrong types of people so um a couple days later, I ended up having a dream, um, and it's. I was sitting in my bed, and I heard something come from a bathroom, and it was this like, demon-possessed girl in this bathroom. She was trying to come out of the bathroom, and um, my, my dad and I were holding her back and keeping her back, and all of a sudden, I woke up in my bed, and I could feel my hair standing straight up on my arms, and I felt like there was an evil presence in the room with me that night. Um, and me, being a 20-year-old college kid, uh, get up out of bed, run over to
0: my parents' room, knock on the door, <laughs> like, Mom? Mom? Yeah. So I told you, we always wake up Mom. Yeah. Mom kills the demons. Dad is too tired. We just let him sleep. Yep.
1: Um, so I get my mom up, and my mom and my dad uh, both sat up with me for probably about an hour, hour and a half that night. And we talked about um, that was my old life. The demon-possessed girl was my old life, trying to come back. And uh, the devil is here to steal, kill, and destroy um, in our lives, especially if we're trying to live for God and make a difference. And we decided that, you know, that part of me is going to always try and come back. But it's all about um, surrounding yourself with good people, continually being in the word, and uh, keeping your mind focused on the things that glorify God. So uh, this past semester during uh, baseball season, I'll give you a little bit of background um, about baseball in my um, degree I was halfway done with my economics degree. I was pursuing a minor in Spanish and um, I was a starter on our baseball team and made first team all conference as a freshman. Um, I don't tell you that to brag I just tell you that because of the uh, I had solidified my spot on a baseball team a uh, Division two baseball team. However, in the middle of the semester um, God really laid it on my heart that I should pursue ministry. And I was sitting in the middle of a class one day, and God just put that on me, put that on my heart. And I was like, wow, okay, well, uh, I guess I'll, I'll try and pursue this. So I called Christian and some other people that were close to me in my life, and I told them what was going on. And um, I talked to my parents about it, and I was literally ready to transfer, like, that day um, from Rockers to another school. But my family and I decided, you know, it wouldn't be smart to do that. I'd lose some credits, and uh, I'd have to sit out that year for baseball, so I just decided to stick it out. And, um, like, like Christian said earlier in the, in the sermon, you know, I was, there was something flashing, um, like, uh, like your car does when you start to get on empty, you know, it says, you know, check gauge. Uh, I was, God was telling me, you know, check gauge, you need to do something. And I said, no, I'm just going to keep going. I'm going to keep pursuing what I'm going to pursue in my life. And I never stopped and, uh, refueled, um, in my life and got that next boost spiritually. So uh, this past summer, uh, literally a week ago, um, I decided, my family and I came together, and we decided that it was smart for me to continue to pursue uh, ministry. So one week ago, within two days, I was, I was at Rockhurst, and within two days, I'm now going to Mid-American Nazarene. And um, before I made that transfer, I had called the, a couple coaches there, and they said I needed to tell my coach at Rockhurst that I'm thinking about transferring um, and I had no idea what the scholarship opportunity would be like at mid america and um, i didn 't know what the coach was like the, the baseball program, but I decided I was going to make a full leap of faith uh, with God and trust God that he was going to do something special in my life. so I did it. I told my coach, and now I have the same exact scholarship um, to mid America The baseball program is absolutely awesome. I love the coach, and i 'm um, really excited to see what God is going to do in in my life and uh to Help out with the ministry here and, and with youth and pursue that. So
0: awesome. Jordan, we're proud of you, ma'am. Thank you. Good job. Haley mcveigh Where you at, Haley? Haley is uh Haley's one of our students who's going to be a sophomore at Belton High School. Um, just one of the coolest kids that you'll ever meet. Uh and uh man, her, her story is cool, what she's been through the last year, what she's experienced, and what God is doing on her heart. So Haley, tell us what God did in you last week.
2: I can't really think of a better word to describe this week than "boom sauce um, <laughs> None of us know just... what that
0: means. Do you even know what that means?
2: No, but Taylor might I need to. Okay, right. used it, Sounds so. cool. You're right. I You're thought right. it sounded cool. I think cool. it means
0: really cool. Yeah. All right.
2: Um, last year at camp, I rededicated my life, and I was pretty strong. You know, I read my Bible every day. Um, but then school started, and I got busy with sports and homework and everything else in between that. And um, I lost my fire. And around uh, May, the end of the school year, I was like, okay, I'm ready for camp. I need this camp. I wanted a change. And um, this week, I felt God really laying it on my heart and just pounding and tugging and saying, you need to, be, you need to tell your friends. You shouldn't be ashamed of your faith anymore because um, your friends need to know. And um, in January... I lost my best friend Braxton in a car accident. And um, I know he's a Christian, so I know he's in heaven. And that kind of comforted me, even though he was gone and I miss him. But um, I know that if any of my friends at school, if they were to die so suddenly, I know they would not be in heaven. And I would feel torn apart and guilty because I know I could have done something about it, but I was too scared of rejection or being that weird Christian girl, being an outcast, and, um, so this week, God is just telling me, you know, it's going to be okay, I have you, I'm holding you, you can tell your friends, and I'll, he will be here for me, if, you know, if they reject me, um, I decided to just go all in, not hold anything back, and just, um, dive in with my feet first, going all in for God, and, um, I, a while back, our small group leader, Christy, encouraged us to memorize a verse, and I picked one out, Romans 1:16. for I am not ashamed of the gospel, because it is the power of God for, those, for the salvation of everyone who believes, and, um, I'm really glad that she challenged us to do that, because without that verse, um, I don't know that I wouldn't be so unashamed. Um, so I thank Christy for that, and, um, Speaking up here is, like, a really big step for me because I'm usually a shy person. Like, I'm, my hand is shaking right now. And, um, so. that,
0: that's why you wear one of these. So people, they can't see your hand shaking because it's stuck on your face.
2: <laughs> um, so, like, I'm really working on being bold and stepping out for Christ. So this is really helping me a lot.
0: So, We're proud of you. Good job, Haley. Casey Hammock. Come talk to us. Casey Hammock is one of our students who just graduated from Blue Valley Northwest High School um, and has had a, a cool experience just in the last year spiritually from where she's uh, come from to where she's going. Uh, so I ask her to uh, to come and share just a, uh, a little bit of what's going on in her life and what God's uh, pushing her towards.
3: Um, well, first I'd actually like to say to all the students, um, I meant to say this last service, but I forgot. But um, especially to Haley who said that she sometimes is kind of afraid because she doesn't feel like she can make a difference because she's so young. I would just like to share with you First Timothy 4.12 that says, don't let anyone look down on you because you are young, but set an example for the believers in speech, in life, in love, in faith, and in purity. So, look at you quoting <laughs>
0: scripture. Yeah. Come on, man.
3: <laughs> but um,
0: Boom sauce. Whatever that means.
3: <laughs> but um, anyway, so this year at camp, um, God really spoke to me. Well, I'll start with last year, actually. Um, last year at camp, God um, revealed the passion that I have to study his word, um, which if you don't really study it in depth, you're really missing out because it is awesome. And that word is completely overused, but it is awesome. And... Um, but anyway, so last year at camp, I pretty much every day during free time would go find a little quiet corner in the lobby and study my Bible, and, um, which most of the girls didn't really like. They were trying to get me to do stuff.
0: It's very boring. <laughs> Thanks. It's okay. Not um, that studying your Bible is boring, but during free time at a camp, a little bit. That's but, all right. Go ahead.
3: Anyway, so this year, going back, I kind of planned to do the same thing, because especially being at home uh, or having the summer, I've just gotten really busy and haven't always had the time to do it. So um, having like four hours a day, you know, to just study my Bible, that's pretty cool. But on the first full day of camp, um, after the morning service, Brandon Golden um, pulled me aside after that service, and he was like, I figured you out you're an introvert with extrovert tendencies. I just kind of stared at him blankly, like, what the heck are you talking about, bro? (laughs) And um, he explained, basically, um, that most of the time I'm more introverted and um, quiet and reflective and stuff like that, reflective and stuff. Um, But every once in a while in, like, a smaller setting or uh, where I'm comfortable, I branch out more and I'm more extroverted and a little crazier and more fun, I guess. Anyway, so... That night, um, at the evening service, he was sitting a couple seats down from me, and I just leaned over and I told him, this service, I'm going to be an extrovert. And so, um, as the speaker was trying to get everyone revved up and stuff, I actually got involved and um, had fun and just was more enthusiastic, I guess, and then kind of liked it. So, I continued to do it the rest of the week, and I... Um, did more activities. Um, I spent a lot of time with the girls and the rest of the group uh, at the lake. I even got in the lake twice
0: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But, yeah.
3: <laughs> And um,
0: without her Bible <laughs>
3: um, <laughs> And um, then Wednesday morning, Danielle was speaking um, uh, for the girls' breakout session. And she was getting some volunteers from our group to, um, to have a little dance party at the beginning of service and get everyone kind of revved up and excited, which I would never ever dance in front of people in my life. <laughs> I think I've only done that like once before this week, but I volunteered for some reason, and um, it was really fun and just um, things like that and then I led a small group, a little Bible study with all the girls one morning and um, Anyway, basically through all of this, God um, revealed to me that He wanted me to be a pastor, which I had felt called, God called me to ministry the summer between eighth grade and my freshman year. Um, it was the only time in my entire life that I can remember ever believing, like undeniably being undeniably sure of anything, um, which was that. And um, but this week. Through, like, showing me that I can get in front of a group of people and I can stand on a stage in front of all you people um, and talk and not pass out. Um, it was just um, amazing. And so, yeah.
0: It's cool. I told the I Beth Moore has to retire someday. So somebody somebody might as well take her place. Casey, we're proud of you. Zach. Come on, Zach. Zach, who, uh, who made our camp video, is going to be a junior at Lee Summit West uh, next year. So... We're, uh, we're meeting in the middle school of the school that eventually goes to Lee Summit West. Zach, tell us, uh, man, first, wasn't his video awesome? I mean, what a talented kid. Good, good job. Tell us what God did in your life this week. All right, so I always grew up in a
4: Christian family, and my family went to church, but with life comes stress, and it just with the stress, I, I never really wanted to go to church. I, I pushed it off, and I would maybe go every other week, and eventually it got to the point where I'd maybe show up for the Christmas service, and I just, I did not like the way I was going. I always felt like something was missing, and that I was lost, and I finally, God spoke to me and said, Zach, go to church, and so some of our friends that go here, they said, come, why don't you come to church with us, so I decided to come, and I really, really enjoyed this church, just the youth group, and everybody was just so there with me and they they approached me with this this camp and so I, I thought about it and my parents pushed me and they said it'll be really good for you, go do it and so I went on this camp and I was not expe- knowing what to expect. I was thinking maybe hang out at the lake, go to sing some songs, do something, but it was life life changing. I have never felt more passionate about being with God than that first night. A man called Tony Noland was was speaking and it just hit Hit right, right in the heart, and that night I gave my life to God, and it was the best decision I ever made. And amen. I uh, ever, ever since that night, I was thinking of the bad relationships I need to get out of, and get rid of that bad music, and just, just do what I need to do to honor God. And I just, I grow, I grew so close to all of my my friends that went down with me, and just. I want to do everything I can to honor God, and I, I finally feel inner peace with me.
0: So amen. Amen. Good word. Awesome, awesome, awesome. Juliana. react. Two more. Don't y'all see why youth camp so fun? I mean, we did this like every day for four days. We just sit around and say, "All right, your turn. Um, what's God doing now? And I told him, "Everyone has to talk, or you're not allowed to leave the room." So everyone eventually <laughs> opened up about what, uh, what was going on. And, man, the courage to get on stage at church and talk about it. Juliana, tell us what's going on. This is Juliana. She's going to be a junior at Shawnee Mission South uh, High School.
5: Okay. Um, last year at GoTel, I rededicated my life to Christ. And over the summer, I got really close with God, but I never got in, like, a normal routine. And so by the time school started, my path just became really blurry, and I just started to lose my way. And I, right before camp, actually, I was starting... And I really wanted to, like, refocus my life for Christ. And I knew going to go Tell would really help me. And then I remember, like, on the first night, um, Exodus gets up on stage, and we all crowd around the stage, and we're all praising and singing as loud as we can. And I forgot how much I loved worship. And um, I feel like almost every night and morning that, like, God was telling me, you need a witness to your friends, because I've never witnessed to my friends or my family. And I just really laid on my heart that I had to do that. And I also realized that um, my sister, I need a witness to her because I'm probably the only Christian that can really reach out to her. And I just really needed to do that. And I'm going to try really hard to witness to everybody and do
0: my best. You will do awesome. You will do awesome, Jules. Uh, Chase. Chase, Chase, Chase. Where are you at? This is... (laughs) Your little sister's got your back, man. Um, This is this is Chase. He's going to be a freshman at Grain Valley High School. Um, One of the most influential kids in our youth ministry has some cool things happen in his life this week.
6: Tell us what God did in your heart this week, Chase. All right. Well, um, first thing, I mean, the camp was awesome. I wish everybody could have went. I mean, it was great. (laughs) I went last year. I had a great time. I realized, man, this is awesome. I want this for the rest of my life. I came back on fire. Forgot I was doing great. Um, read my Bible like every day, praying, I memorized Romans 12, the whole chapter. I mean, really close to my parents, had some good friends, and I was like, I got this. I can do this. And then school came. I was like, man, definitely harder than I thought. <laughs> Maybe this is too hard. Halfway through the year, I'm like, I quit. I'm done. Forget it. Push got away. Never thought about him. Was like, whatever. I was in sin that I shouldn't be in. I was doing stuff that I shouldn't be doing. I didn't care really about anybody. Only cared about myself. Had bad friends. Did bad things. Get away from my parents. Um, Kind of pushed them away. Didn't want anything to do with them. And then I realized, yeah, this this is not the life I wanted. And I noticed that youth camp was kind of was like, man, I need to, I need to go to that. So I brought two of my friends, went down there. We had a great time. Both of them got saved. They're both getting baptized after church today. Amen. I kind of realized that um, the life I was living is not, not good, and. What I have now is what I want to have for the rest of my life with my friends and being close to my parents. And it really just changed my life over this camp. And I wish all of you guys can get. Yeah,
0: me too. Jay, thank you so much. Luke eight forty six. You don't have to read it in your Bible. It will be on the screen behind me. Jesus said, someone touched me. I'm telling you, someone touched me and the power has gone out of me into them. You have seen these kids that have, that have fought through the crowd, that have pressed through the sin, that have fought through the difficulties and this week they have touched Jesus and you can just, I mean, like you can feel the power of Jesus seeping out of them, like, like they're oozing with the presence of God and what he has done in their life. My question is, Have you ever touched Jesus like that? Do you need Jesus like that? Or are you content to be near Jesus? Is it just enough to come to church? Or is there something you need today? Do you need him to touch your marriage? Do you need him to touch your addiction? Do you need him to do a miracle in your finances? Do you need him to repair a relationship? Do you need him to... to to step into a bad habit that's, that's always making you look foolish around other people. Like, what do you need Jesus to do for you? That's the question this morning. And we're going to end this service like we ended almost every service at camp with giving you an opportunity not only in your heart to respond, but sometimes the spiritual moments of our life need to be partnered with physical moments for us to really prove to Jesus we're serious. So here's how we're going to end this service. In just a second, I'll ask you to pray with me. And I know there are some people in this room that need Jesus today. Like you need an intervention. I know there are some parents who are listening to their kids on the stage saying, where we are is not good enough anymore. Because they just sprinted by us spiritually. I know there's some big brothers and big sisters. And little brothers and little sisters. I know there's some friends and family. I know there's some people here today. Who you know being at church is nice. But the reality of your life. When you get home from church tonight. Is too overwhelming. Unless Jesus does something. And you've not yet said help. Help. And we learn from Luke chapter 8. That sometimes. you Sometimes being in the crowd isn't enough. Sometimes you got to figure out how to get all the way to Jesus to grab hold and say, help. So in just a minute, I'm going to ask you to pray with me. And today, if you need Jesus to do something in your life, if there is a need in your life, financial, emotional, spiritual, relational, physical, I'm going to ask you as we pray to get out of your seats, to come to the front of this basketball court, to kneel on this hardwood floor as if it's an altar, By physically coming, you're spiritually saying, Jesus, I am going to pursue you. I'm not just going to hang out. I'm going to pursue you until you help me with this. And I'm going to invite you just to talk to God today. Now, in the first service, we did this by faith. And man, God flooded the altars with people who need something today. They're not just at church to be at church. They need something today. If you need something, in just a moment, I'm going to ask you to come. So would you just bow your heads and close your eyes where you're seated? And with every head bowed and every eye closed, if there's a need in your life today, if you could spend ten seconds today with Jesus and He would say, What do you need? What do you need? What do you need Him to do? Would you, like this woman, take a chance? She has exhausted everything. She had tried everything else and nothing had worked. And she thought, Might as well try Jesus too. And it clicked. And it worked. And He changed her. Maybe Jesus is real. Maybe his power is real. Maybe you have just not pursued him enough to find that out for yourself. Maybe you've thought that rubbing elbows with the crowd that's rubbing elbows with Jesus was enough, and you've learned today that it's not. What do you need Jesus to do for you? If you're in this room today with heads bowed and eyes closed, in just a minute I'm going to count to three. And if you have a need... That you want to give to Jesus If you have something you need to talk to Jesus about If you have an area of your life That you are desperate for His help in Don't just come to church and leave church And not deal with that Deal with that today There's something I'm desperate for I'm going to count to three And I'm going to ask you just to get out of your seat Some of you are going to come husband and wife together Some will come as families. Some will come as individuals But I'm going to count to three And at the count of three If you are desperate for Jesus To do something in your life today I'm just going to ask you To come forward To grab a spot on this hardwood floor And just to spend some time talking to Jesus as if he's here and to give him the burdens of your heart. One, when I say three, I just want you to stand up and come. You won't be the only one, trust me. Two, today you have a need that has to be met by Jesus. Three, come now as our team worships. And our God is great. can't I just pray here? Like, can't I just find Jesus here? What if the woman in Luke chapter 8 would have thought that? Well, maybe Jesus will come to my house. Maybe He'll stop on my brick of the sidewalk. What if blind Bartimaeus in Mark 10 would have thought, well, you know, if, if Jesus comes to me, great. If not, maybe next time some of you today like your heart is pounding out of your chest because you have a need and you would like Jesus to meet it but you're not willing to step to Him you're not willing to elbow your way through the crowd you're not willing to tell your pride and your ego and what people will think about you you're not telling them all to say get out of the way today I just need Jesus to help me and you still need to come because you've got something in your life you need Him to do and He's waiting on you so I will count to three one more time and if you're out there you say, well, can't he just come here? Sometimes you gotta to come to him. Remember, come here. Jesus says. The source of power is with him, and we have to come to him. One, two, if you want to come, come now. Three.
7: I got a stronger,
0: got you ahead. I pray. Just be real simple, man. The question was simple. What do you need? The answer needs to be simple. The blind man said, I can't see. The woman said, I, I've got a physical problem. Just be, what do you need? Do you need Jesus to touch your marriage? Tell him. Do you need him to touch your kids? Tell him. Do you need him to touch your new career or your old career? Tell him. Do you need him to do something financially for you or emotionally or physically? Tell him. Is there a relationship that is busted that you have no idea how it's going to work? Tell him. Tell him. Tell Him, plain and simple. Are you addicted to pornography? Are you addicted to alcohol? Are you an adult who can't quit smoking pot every now and then? What, what do you need Jesus to do for you? Just tell Him. Just tell Him. Plain and simple. Jesus like, here's what I need. Help me. Plain and simple. Now as you're here, heads are bowed and eyes are closed. And you all are praying. You're dealing with things. But there are some people here at the altar. There are some people in seats today. That you're like Zach. Man, you've grown up around church. You've been at an altar call. You've heard about God. You've kind of grown up around God, but you've never given your life to God. You've never given your heart to God. There's still something missing. There's peace that's not there. And the thing you need to do today is you need to give your heart and your life to Jesus Christ you need to not just be a christmas and easter christian anymore but you need to say god come into my life i will follow you i want your eternal life i want your peace i want your forgiveness so if that's you i'm going to pray a prayer and i just want you to repeat it in your heart whether you're sitting in the seats whether you're down on your knees if today the prayer of your heart what you need is to once and for all make peace with god to commit your life or radically recommit your life to refocus to get back on track like our kids said then I just want you to pray this prayer. You don't have to pray it out loud. Just in your own heart, pray this, dear God. Today, I need all of you. It's not enough to just be around you anymore. I need you in my life. I need you in my heart. I need you in my head. I want you in my future. I want you in my eternity. Forgive me of the sins that I have committed that have separated me from you. And bring me closer to you. From the inside out, transform my life. Today, I commit... Or I radically recommit my life to focus on You, to pursue You, to follow You. I need You. Help me today. Come into my heart and come into my life. Heads are bowed and eyes are closed all over. If you just prayed that prayer, whether you're at the altar or whether you're sitting in the seats, on the count of three, I'll ask you to raise your hand and hold it up for five seconds. So that we can rejoice with what God is doing. If you prayed that prayer on the count of three, I want you to raise your hand and hold it high for five seconds. One, two, three. Raise it up right now all over. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, fourteen, fifteen, sixteen, seventeen, eighteen, nineteen, twenty, twenty-one, twenty-two, twenty-three, twenty-four, twenty-five, twenty-six, twenty-seven 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, 19, 20, 21, 22, 23, 24, 25, 26, 27. Father God, in Jesus' name, we praise you for what you're doing in this place. People saying, I'm going to take a big step towards God or back towards God. God, we need you. It's not enough to just come to church anymore. We need you. It's got to be real. We need more. Like Chase said, it's too hard to go a year on the power of one decision. We need you every day. We need you today. We commit our lives. We recommit our lives. We give you our church. We say, Lord, to let us stand out so we can make a difference in this community. God, we love you. God, we need you. God, we're desperate for you. Help us today. What do we need? We need Jesus. Come into our heart and lives in a new way. We love you. We praise you. Thank you for moving in our midst today. In Jesus' name, everyone said amen. Let's stand and worship. All over this house, let's stand and worship.
7: Lifted up church voices. Our God, the great God, we speak about... Our God is greater, our God is stronger, guide you.
0: being in our midst today and using our teenagers to bring your holy spirit to church what a great day god thank you for the decisions that were made all over the house today and god as we walk now away from church may we walk towards you may it not be enough anymore to be around jesus may we be uh may we reach out and touch jesus daily in a radically transforming way Lord, thank you for today. We'll never forget it because of what you did in our midst. We love you. We yes, ask these things in Jesus' name and everyone said, amen. Man, give the Lord a hand. What an un...